Welcome to the Green Element Podcast, where business and sustainability come together. And welcome to the Green Element Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and um, helping us understand more what it is that you do and what your purpose with and who you work with. So on, on that note, could you let us know more, please? So, um, yes, we work to change the paper industry. We want to create a positive change in the way we use and produce paper notebooks. Uh, that's why at the moment we launched our first product. That's the rock book. Uh, it's made from stone paper and that uses no water, no trees and no harmful chemicals and no bleach to make a perfectly fine waterproof and really soft type of paper. And I started the company end of 2015 with just this product. And we are currently expanding the product range because what we found out is that there are a lot of alternatives to paper already on the market that are really viable. And we want to bring those like to the attention of a lot of people because what you see is that the paper industry is such a big industry that generally people don't know about these alternatives. It's such a small part of the market still. And with my company, I want to raise awareness that we can do better than what we are doing right now. And at the same time, you see a trend where the stationary industry is actually a growing market contrary to what a lot of people think, because we are doing so much like digitally, uh, a lot of people are going back to writing and, and we want to make sure they do that in a more sustainable way. Brilliant, brilliant. So stone paper, I have to ask you, um, anything to do with stones? Yes, well, actually a lot. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's really made from stone waste. Right. So uh, calcium. Um, all over the world you have these mines and these mines they don't use the regular stones uh, because they are not valuable enough so if you use that stone and you grind it to powder uh, you can mix the powder with a part recycled HDPE which is actually at the moment it's a plastic variety um, but you can bind that by heating so instead of using like loads of water you can just heat it up uh, and mix it it becomes like a balloon like structure that you right. can pull out and uh, then it becomes really thin and then you can use it as a paper and um, so i've got two questions now um carbon footprint of that with the heating and um i know that making paper is incredibly carbon intensive is mm -hmm. it as carbon intensive or is less have there been studies done I, because i know our listeners will want to know you know it's it may be a different process but is it is it better is it more carbon efficient yes it's definitely the production process is definitely more efficient it uses uh, one third of the energy compared to regular paper production and uh, right now the production facility where we source from they use um, solar panels to right. uh, to get the energy from uh, and in in our case it's of course we don't make the paper we make the notebooks so in the production of a notebook, you also have the ink, the glue, laminate, and um, uh, the energy that's being used to produce that book. And that's also um, a CO2 neutral process. Uh, and the inks are vegetable inks. So we make sure that the whole process of making this book is better than the regular books that are on the market right now. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. And is it, the second question was, I'm writing with a fountain pen 
will I be able to tell the difference? Uh, yes, <laughs> especially with a fountain pen. Um, the ink doesn't dry that fast on stone paper because it's waterproof. Right. So we, well, I started out not recommending using a fountain pen on stone paper, but then we do have some shops here in the Netherlands who are specialists in selling fountain pens and it's super popular. So apparently some people really like to use a fountain pen on stone paper because it glides over the paper a bit more than regular paper and it doesn't soak the ink out of your pen. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Because I, I, am, I am a fountain pen person. When, when I use paper, I like it. I don't know why. I think it's because of the way it feels. <laughs> yes. You feel like a calligrapher, even though you're not. <laughs> yes. Well, it's a really nice feeling. You know, before I started this company, I was a huge fan of notebooks as well. So I have like a whole shelves full of notebooks and pens, and, but not fountain pens. So, <laughs> so I'm not sure uh, how... Your favorite, what's your favorite pen? to use on um, the notebook? Um, well, well, it's a brand actually. So I, I like a, a ballpoint pen from uh, Lamy, but it okay. depends also on the type of filling that's in the pen, of course. So the medium <laughs> is my favorite, medium and blue. <laughs> cool. Um, so what would you say your business superpower was? I think our superpower is to make a material that's not known at all and it's better than the regular alternative to make it known on the market. Mm -hmm. So that's actually my specialization. Before I started this company, I, I was a historian and um, I studied law as well. And I focused on social movements a lot, um, but also I worked in e-commerce marketing. And what I really like for a business is to be more than just a money-making machine. I, I always knew I wanted to start a business but always that it should have a positive impact on the world, not just a business. So for this company, I, I knew from the get-go that it needed to be more than just, oh, I make, make a notebook because I like it. <laughs> uh, so, so that's the whole process of building this company is we want to make sure that people know the issue uh, and that they also know that there is a solution and we want to provide a solution that's equally or better than the regular notebooks on the market. Because I feel like if, if you want to provide a more sustainable alternative, it should also be attractive to people because people want to buy attractive products. Yeah. And you cannot change that around. You cannot tell people at this moment in time, like you should opt for a really boring looking notebook that falls apart within a week just because it's better. You have to also make a better product. And um, is it more expensive than than a normal notebook? Is it much more, is it a little bit more, or is it cheaper, or is it the same price? It's, uh, we priced it on the same level as the Moleskin uh, brand. Yeah. Uh, so I think you also have, yeah, you also have that. It's on the higher end market, and we really looked at the, uh, like the regular pricing on that market. Um, and that means our margin is very low compared to the other companies, but I'm fine with that because we're just going for volume. And then in the end, also the paper alternatives, when they become more like a normal type of paper, then the price will also change because the materials that are used for the stone paper, but also for the other paper uh, variety that we will introduce in the coming weeks, um, it's waste. Mm. 
So it's just a matter of ramping up the production. Yeah, okay. So can you tell us a bit about how you engage your staff, suppliers, customers with your mission and purpose? Yes, let me see where to start. So um, the people I work with right now in the team, we just expanded the team. So first we were three and now we are eight. And what I like a lot is that these people, usually they find us. So we communicate a lot about the mission of the, of the company uh, and not so much about, oh, look at her, how nice her product is. And the people who are now working in our team, they are all mission-driven people. And my selection process for hiring people is not to look at their resume. I want to look at the person. So I don't even look at the resume before the first conversation. I just feel like if you write me a letter and I really feel that you are a mission-driven person, you understand that we need to change something and you have a way of convincing me that we should have a conversation, then we have a conversation. And I just find a spot for you in the company, in the team, because no matter what your background is, you know, my background is also crazy. Nobody ever expected me to start my own business if they did not know where I'm coming from, you know? So my, my whole family are entrepreneurs. So I always knew that I, you know, it's in your DNA sometimes. <laughs> and I think I'm affected by that. Uh, but nobody thought I was going to do this. And still people ask like, well, but you don't have a business background. How, how do you know how to start a business? Well, I just started. I did not have a plan myself. So also for the team, um, we just get into a conversation. I want to know from the people what they want to learn from the business and from me uh, and what they can bring to the table. That's the selection process. I think what you've just said, it's um, completely resonated with me and that you talk to many people and interestingly, not on this podcast, but the people that you talk to that I wouldn't necessarily think to interview for this podcast are the people that would go i can't believe that you're doing that how can you not how can you do what you're doing you have to put the resumes first you have to understand and actually i think it's in your favor that you haven't got a business background that you are running it with your heart and with your um brain as well i i i actually think that we do ourselves a disservice i think that you're running a business smarter you're not following you're not following what has been done before because you think that's the way to do it. You're yes. using your brain and your heart at the set in the same instance. And I think, you know, that is the reason why we can learn off you. And that's the reason why that um, it's people like you that we should be listening to, not a business leader that goes, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you have to look at the CVs or you have to, you know, the old fashioned way, I think. Yes. Well, you know, what's funny is when I started the company without this plan, uh, just was really like overnight, okay, I'm going to do this, made a Kickstarter campaign with a, with a designer. Uh, and we started and the next day, like the second day of the Kickstarter campaign, the NOS, the national news agency was on the phone with me for an interview about my business plan. <laughs> so I just made something up. I was like, okay, I'm not going to miss this opportunity to be interviewed by them, you know? <laughs> um, and then um, the whole plan, like the two-line plan, two-ruled plan that I had to make notebooks for consumers changed after the kickstarting campaign because I started making notebooks for businesses mainly uh, because that was apparently the better, um, better option and the, the way that I could 
gain a bit more volume in, in the business. Um, but then I got the advice from actually my father to find some mentors who did have a, like a more um, regular business background. Uh, they had more experience in this field uh, to, to help me, to guide me a little bit. So I do have a group of mentors now who um, help me with the business and with making sure that I don't make uh, like the right, the commonly made mistakes. Yeah, I think so that, that helps a lot. I think that's actually really, really important. And that does make sense. I kind of, I was thinking about, that. I kind of goes against what, what I said just previously, but it doesn't because I think it's still the same thing because there are still elements of business that are the same across yeah. our business mentors as well. And I totally think that, uh, yeah, I, it makes a lot of sense what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I also like this way of doing things because uh, that's also actually uh, in terms of how I select the people I work with. We uh, just closed the first investment round um, with Impact Investors. And I, I was in an accelerator program by the Impact Hub in Amsterdam. Uh, and uh, I was interviewed by a national bank uh, who was also participating in this project about my criteria for an investor. And I said, like, if you're coming and telling me that I should make a big return on investment for you and it's about the money, or maybe if, if I notice in the conversation that you say you're an impact investor, but really you're not, then I'm done. Yeah. And they were a bit like laughing at me, like, yeah, you're never going to find someone who, you know, acts like that. And now we actually have two parties on board who are exactly like that. So impact is first. Um, and then second comes, how is the business doing? How are the people doing? And then the profit comes like way behind because we want to make a change in, in the industry and in the world. Uh, and that's just doesn't work in the old fashioned way. Yeah. No, brilliant. Cool. How exciting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, you must, it must be really fun to talk to those people. And I don't know, it's probably, I can, I bet there were some great conversations that I had um, between you and the investors and Definitely. probably quite firm friends as well. I would imagine. Yes. You know, they are, really involved in the business. I also asked for that because I'm the sole founder of the company and I got criticized for that a lot, which I also find funny uh, because why not? Uh, and I know it's sometimes it's a bit lonely, but it's not at all lonely because I have all these like mentors and people who are supporting me. So I'm, I'm fine. Uh, but it's really nice to have now these two parties who are uh, helping me in finding the way on how we can uh, broaden the impact of the company because I, I do have a feeling of where I want to, to bring the company but I'm not sure how to get there and these people they want to assist me on that road so to say uh, and that's really um, it's kind of securing to know that I'm not just floating around trying to do something but that people who know about business know about impact are helping me yeah yeah brilliant so when it comes to running an ethical and sustainable business, what would you say your biggest struggle so far has been? And can you tell us a bit about how you've overcome it? I think the biggest struggle is that it takes time. Maybe it takes more time to start the business than if you were to start a regular business with just a product and uh, just no really big story. Uh, I think that's easier. Um, and... In the beginning, I thought, well, this is such a great stone paper, such a great invention. The book looks great. The website looks really nice. 
I have all these companies supporting me from the get-go. You know, Triodos Bank, for example, was one of our first customers. Uh, And that was great. And then it just slowed down. I thought, you know, if the national news agency is, is speaking about us and all the others followed and all the magazines wrote about it, how can it not be an immediate success? Then I realized, and I was also told by these mentors, just take your time. Uh, and you have to feel like you have a long, long breath. Can you also say that in English? Yes. So that was a lesson learned in patience, but in also continuing like grit. And what I found really nice from the investors is that they also um, kind of applauded that because a lot of people who start an impact business, they feel like it should be a success from the beginning or they don't have any room to wait or to continue while the company is not doing that well yet. Um, Maybe for personal reasons or whatever. I can totally understand that. But maybe if if you take that into account from the start and you know that you, have, you need a bit more like leeway to get there, uh, that could help. That could help a lot. Uh, but you have to continue. Just not give up. Because this is something new and people don't listen to your story or to you immediately unless you're like really famous and it's your 20th company and all of the first 19 were a big success. Then, then you're fine maybe. Or maybe not even. <laughs> yeah. So what... If you could offer one piece of advice to our listeners, which could help them with their purpose, what would that be? To find the purpose or in general with reaching the purpose? Um, either, really. Um, which, just a piece of advice about their purpose, really. Okay, so two things. First, I think it's really good to talk to people in the field of sustainable business, but also in the more regular field of like regular business. Uh, because you have to deal with that world in any case. So it's not going to be like you start a business focused on the new economy and you're going to work solely in the new economy. You need the old one as well. So find people who can advise you in that and who can be a mentor. That was really helpful to me. Uh, And secondly, what I really like is to view my company not as a business, but as a social movement. Because we are not working to make this like... Um, um, the biggest company in the world that's making the most like has the biggest turnover and the most profit we want to make an impact and social movements are really good at that they they change something in society and I can work in this company for the rest of my life if that's the goal if the goal is to change something in society for the better and to change the paper industry for the better that that's what motivates me and I think the people in my company as well Actually, I, I know that this motivates them as well. So look at it from that point of view. Like how will you operate in the larger society and not just as your business unit? You really need to speak to Adam from Reading. I know I mentioned it in the first time. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Definitely. I'll introduce you both on email after this. Yes, please. <laughs> like a house on fire. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> yes, great. Um, when it comes to reducing your environmental impact and carbon footprint of your business, what would you say your biggest challenge or frustration is? Mm. Well, my, my frustration is the paper right now that we are sourcing, it's sourced from other parts of the world. So 
I would favor a model where we would source the paper from uh, a regional uh, facility uh, for, for all the parts of the world that we distribute to. So right now, the production of the notebook stays, takes place in the Netherlands, which I really like a lot. Uh, and we distribute mainly to Europe or within Europe. Um, but for example, the United States is now also becoming uh, a bit more attractive, attractive to us. We do have some customers there. I would rather do the paper production and the notebook production over there. Also for South Africa, for example, that's also an interesting market. I would also rather produce the notebooks and the paper over there and have a paper producing facility for the stone paper, but also the other type of paper that we are going to source uh, over here. But that takes time. It's, it's, I'm, it can really frustrate me that not everything is done overnight. And that's really my personality, I think. I just want everything right now. <laughs> so, um, but that it's just not possible. It takes time as well. Okay. So can you tell us a bit about how you approach environmental management and your carbon footprints? Uh, yes. Well, first we look at the paper <laughs> we, we source and where we source it. So we have some selection criteria that are also visible on our website on how we uh, find our, our producers, um, also for the notebooks. So for me, the most important is that they have a, um, uh, like a strategy in place on how to not use, uh, well, how to use green energy and not use another type of energy. And that's the main select selection criteria, not so much pricing. So my notebooks are more expensive to produce than the other people's notebooks. But I, I want to find a way to communicate that to my clients uh, so they understand that we are producing in a more environmentally friendly way. Uh, but because of that, the book might be a little bit more expensive. Uh, and also when we look at, for example, transportation, that's something which we are now working on to see if we can distribute the books to our individual consumers by bike. I mean, we're in the Netherlands, so <laughs> uh, we do have a lot of bikes here and uh, also transportation services on by bike. Okay. And, and the company itself, like my office is not so big yet. So uh, we, we do want to have also practices in place there. And, and we need to look at how we manage the, like the energy we use or the, um, the materials that we use in the office. But it's not that, that big of a deal yet. Okay. And is there any advice or learning that you'd like to share with anyone listening to this podcast? In general. In general, well, obviously, um, it could be in general, actually, if you want. We can, <laughs> we can make it, I was thinking more in particular to your business and organisation, <laughs> but we could do it in general. You could do both if you want, if you've got some wisdom that you have from your, from your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, let me think. So it's a lot. No, I will keep it short. <laughs> I think um, it, it's important to to stick to your beliefs mm -hmm. even though in business you can be really distracted by quick wins mm -hmm. and there will be people crossing your path who will steer you towards those quick wins um mm -hmm. you have to say goodbye to those people because i mean you're never going to get progress in a society if we all keep on doing what we've always been doing uh, and if people call you crazy because of what you're doing, that's totally fine. And it's actually awesome because we need crazy people right now to start 
the change uh, and and really this this is like I mentioned it before but it's so important to me to not view your company as a as a business or to only use your business school learnings on how you build your business but also look outside of the field of the business learnings and read some books who are, that are not about building a business or for our work week or what else the lean lean startup that kind of books i mean they are nice i also read some of those books but it's nice to look beyond because if your company is going to be in a society and participating in society and changing something there you need to know about the broader perspective yeah okay brilliant and what what would be the best way to connect with you and learn more about what it is that you're doing uh well linkedin i use a lot of linkedin i also write on linkedin so please feel free everybody <laughs> to connect with me on linkedin uh and also um by via email i always try to answer my emails not not that quick maybe but i always answer <laughs> Brilliant. so what we'll do is we'll put all those um links on the podcast show notes for everyone listening mm -hmm. um, thank you very much and for that um really enjoyed talking to you about um your organization what you're trying to do and what you're trying to achieve and how I think more importantly, how you're trying to achieve it. I think that's what um, has been best. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a, really my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We created this podcast for you. So we'd really appreciate any feedback you want to give us. You can do that by rating and reviewing on your favorite podcast, or for iTunes, visit www.greenelement.co.uk forward slash Apple. If you'd like to keep in touch, then we invite you to join our free Facebook community, which is everything to do with sustainable and ethical business. Lots of daily conversations, themes and great ideas. A really great place to work and network with like-minded individuals. If you open Facebook and search for the Green Element, hit the group search function, we will let you right in. All of the show notes, any links, any references to the, on this podcast will be featured on our website, greenelement.co.uk. As a special thank you for listening, please head over to www.greenelement.co.uk forward slash podcast 2018 and you can pick up a free guide on how to green up and environmentalise your business or organisation. That's greenelement.co.uk forward slash podcast 2018 finally i would like to thank ben chatwin for writing the fantastic opening music he is an amazing artist with a phenomenal following it was a privilege he said yes to even write it for us we look forward to seeing you next week and hope you have a wonderful day <laughs>